Hello, cherished listeners, and welcome to episode two of Watch Your Story, the podcast that features stories of remarkable women who are making strides in various science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ameke. In today's episode, we have an amazing woman as our guest, one I'm super excited and honored to have here. Dr. Juliet Ohimeng in Tiamwa, a Ghanaian female doctor who attained a direct PhD in civil and environmental engineering without a master's degree in any field or background in engineering. Welcome and thank you for joining me on the show, Dr. Ohimeng in Tiamwa. Thank you. For having me, Eliza. Um, it's my pleasure being here to share with you and to share with your audience. So, thank you for having me. Thank you. So, believe in yourself and never give up. It's all good and well, but people often can't see that applying to them until they hear a story of it happening to someone else. And your story gives us a perfect example of that. Okay. So, could you share with us her deals you've had? to face personally in your journey and how you overcame them? Because I know you had to um, resign from your role at Talo Oyo for your PhD. I think that was in 2014 or? Yeah, that was in 2014. Okay. Um, so um, when it comes to hurdles that I encountered, um, of course, there are, let's say, personal or non-academic hurdles, and then there are hurdles that you know were solely academic. So, um, and those ones were during the PhD, essentially. And then there were also, you know, the non-academic stuff that some happened, you know, just before um, starting the PhD, which includes, let's say, taking a risk to um, resign from Soloyo. So um, I'll just touch a little bit on, you know, both sides, like you know, academic hurdles and non-academic hurdles. So um, for non-academic hurdles, of course, um, before making a decision to um, resign, you know, it was a tough decision because working at Tolo was a dream job, Mm -hmm. you know, right after school. I finished um, tech in 2012 and then I did my national service at Technique FMC and then, you know, got my dream job, Tolo Oil. Now having to resign, um, was a big decision to make because, you know, our environment, people finish school and, you know, don't get jobs to do. So I was blessed to have a job and a good job at that. And, you know, um, I, I just had to think through it, you know, think about, okay, you know, projecting myself in five years time, where do I see myself with Tolo? And then on the other side, um, where do I see myself with a PhD and you know what are the possible or let's say the possibilities after a PhD. So all of that went into it. I did lots of consultations. I did lots of thinking. And I think one of the main things that really helped me to um, overcome that or to choose to go that the PhD way was the fact that I had a strong conviction. You know, I had I'm a person of faith. And I had a strong conviction to embark on the PhD journey. So that was a major factor. And um, the uh, another non-academic hurdle mm-hmm. also has to do with um, family, especially my mom. Now, um, if you grew up in, you know, a very traditional setting mm-hmm. like mine, um, you'd be told, you know, my mom was happy when, let's say, uh, uh, was happy making sacrifices for me to finish, let's say, first degree, right? And it seemed like, you know, she had achieved what she wanted or, you know, among her friends, she's the one whose daughter has, you know, um, gone to KNUSD and finished her first class, like she was okay. Like, let's end here. <laughs> she was okay. I had made it to her, you know, that was it. And then I come in with, you know, wanting to pursue a PhD, which was going to be like five years um, in school. She was not happy about that. 
because you know she wants you know i've finished school she wants i've gotten a job she wanted me to settle down and all of that now uh if you talk to other women especially at my age they'll let you know that it was not a peculiar thing to me it's something that is there that our mothers especially expect us to settle few years after first degree so um me going to her to tell her i was you know, I had gotten this opportunity and I was going abroad. Uh, she was not so happy about it. How I went about it or how I overcame that was I recognized that, okay, my mom is uneducated and she doesn't really appreciate what a PhD is, if I have it right now. I have to break it down for her, you know, put it in practical terms, what a PhD can do. So, um, I had a conversation with her and, you know, she was saying, oh, oh, before school, five years, you know, you'd be so old, you have to settle and all of that. Then I told her that, you know, uh, when I get this PhD or this doctorate, I'll be able to teach at the university. And then it was like, all of a sudden, she was like, eh, <laughs> you know, I, she, the whole time, you know, like I said, she's uneducated and also <laughs> she's always seen or you know envisioned people who teach at universities to be you know very old people mm -hmm. you know old professors and all of that so when I told her after this degree I can teach at the university she was like eh oh then that one you you'll be very young you'll not be old at all so in you know a few minutes before that she said I'll be very old after this PhD and then after telling her what I can do with this she was like Oh, you'll be very young and I'll be very and <laughs> <laughs> you know, she said, Oh, you'll be very young and you know, in she she said, um, oh Connie oh, said, Oh, well try they will invest a come up like So yeah, that was how I overcame the aspects of it mm -hmm. and you know um, it was also how I got my mom to, um, let me say, give me her blessings to pursue yeah. this degree. I had to break it down for her. Put okay. in yes. yeah. um, <laughs> challenges on the, you know, PhD itself. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be a whole book. So let me just, <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me just um, touch on two things quite briefly. Okay. So, um, in the U.S., one major thing is coursework. You have to do um, lots of coursework, even as part of your PhD. And if you enroll as a direct PhD, you also have to satisfy some coursework or even masters, you know, and then the PhD as well. So it makes the time or duration for, you know, taking coursework quite lengthy. So um, uh, one of the major issues I had with coursework was the fact that in America, most of the coursework are, you know, planned to be very practical. Mm -hmm. Every time you take the class, you have assignments that is very practical. You also have to do projects for those coursework, and these projects are essentially very practical. And I struggled with it a, a bit because, you know, our training back home is essentially more inclined to memorization mm -hmm. and being able yeah. to reproduce you know what you've been taught mm -hmm. so i remember i remember my you know few assignments i was like you know why don't they just give us define this what is this give examples <laughs> of the you get like let's say something <laughs> you just give me the answer but, you know yes you know but it was very practical such that they'll prefer to give you all the formulas you need to work this even in an exam mm -hmm. you don't have to memorize um formulas and all of that you bring your formulas to the exam it's more of the practical um aspect okay. of the course they want you to grasp so i had to really learn to gradually conceptualize or you know think or envision like have a pictorial view of whatever i'm being taught put it in you know practical terms let's say if we are 
for example, one of the classes I have to take was um, open channel hydraulics. So I think now I paid more attention to culverts, you know, that I see on, you know, on the road and drainage and things like that. So I try to pay attention to my practical world or my real world, you know, in terms of anything civil or environmental engineering. Mm -hmm. And then it helped me to visualize things. So that was a big shift I had to do, like, you know, thinking more practical. And oh. then for research, yeah, <laughs> for research, I mean, anybody who has done research knows that research goes this way. I mean, it's a roller coaster. Today, um, let's say uh, an equipment might break and you might have to restart some aspects of your experiment. I remember there was a time I went for a conference and... Um, by the time we came back, you know, I had a chamber, um, an environmental chamber where I was keeping my battery reactors and they were supposed to be operating at, let's say, 35 degrees C. Now there is, um, you know, a fan in there that kind of sucks out any hot air, try to regulate um, the temperature. Now, unfortunately, the lights went off at some point and, you know, there was some heat buildup in in the chamber mm -hmm. and that killed all my microorganisms that I was going to you know perform the research that I was doing now that was a major breakdown I had a meltdown I just went to my room and cried oh. so and and yeah so I I I overcame research hurdles just by perseverance mm -hmm. and and you know just picking myself up just going taking it a day at a time yeah so in a nutshell I think I've said so many things but these are just examples few examples of some challenges I encountered and how um I overcame them interesting like it's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, according to information I gathered in your planned um trajectory was to first go in for a master's degree and then mm -hmm. move on to have a family, okay? So mm -hmm. what happened to the change of plans? What caused everything to change? And then you going in for PhD and now you being here. Okay, okay. So yeah, that was, that was my plan initially. And I think if you pay attention to that plan, it's, you know, what we can classify as a typical, right? Something mm -hmm. that is very typical, for any person, it, maybe even regardless of gender, I mean, you plan to uh, go to school, get a master's, settle down. And I mean, very few people do or have PhDs anyway. So that was like just a normal plan everybody has. Yeah. I guess that, yeah. So it was just, you know, trying to. Uh, I don't want to say follow the status quo, but it, it, it's just um, something that maybe came natural or, you know, as a natural plan or as a general rule kind of thing. And um, I knew that I wanted to do PhD at a point, but that was, you know, something that I was going to pursue in the long term. But then when the opportunity came, um, it made me, you know, reshuffle things. And um, I also, I recognize that, you know, some of these opportunities don't just come. You know, if it comes once and you don't grab it, it might not come again. Yeah. And funding for PhD is something that people are always striving to get. So this was something that had come knocking at my door, even when I had not even applied for it. In fact, I had these arrangements. I was going to have these arrangements with my advisor even before I put in a, a formal application. So it was like, this is just, you know, God just putting it on my lap. And I had to think about it and not let it go. And I've also mentioned about me being a person of faith and me having that strong conviction to go. So it's, it's, it's like seizing, on one hand, it's, you know, identifying it as an opportunity and seizing the opportunity. And then on another hand, too, it's um, more like 
having a strong conviction that this is the right way to go. And, you know, God had brought this opportunity and I, I couldn't just let it go waste and I had to grab it. So, so yeah, so the opportunity that came was, you know, the main thing for me to reshuffle things on my initial plan. Yeah. And you have yeah. no background in engineering. So what was the motivating factor for a PhD in engineering? Because I'm... Um, a graduate engineer, I did aerospace engineering. So I, when I read your story, I was like, how did she go about it? Like, well, where did your motivation come from? Because directly from, you, you did environmental science in KNUST, and then, uh-huh. then to engineering, how? How did that happen? How did you, what, what yeah. motivated you into engineering? Yes, and then even PhD. Yes, I for yeah. that, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to find out. Okay, so I think um, one key aspect of this engineering that I um, was doing, especially on the PhD, is the research area. Mm-hmm. And the research that I, you know, was going to work on was um, bioenergy, converting, you know, designing systems to convert waste to energy. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it on, you know, a more, let's say, detailed level, or even on a higher level, do you see that? There is some overlap between environmental science and environmental engineering, mm-hmm. especially in this aspect, because in environmental science, we do solid waste management. And um, we even did um, a little bit kind of introduction to environmental pollution and environmental engineering, but it was not, you know, in depth. So on the research level that, you know, I was essentially going to spend time on, there was some there was going to be some overlap there, the whole concept of waste to energy. So that that was a huge motivating factor for me that um, the research is essentially environmental. And this time I just have to go more into the engineering aspect of it than on the you know environmental science aspect. So in, in the sciences, you don't really design things to do some of these things. Yeah, but then engineering was going to equip me with the knowledge and the skills to design systems that will convert this organic waste to renewable energy in the form of biogas. So that was the major driver. And uh, yeah, essentially I would say that was the major driver. If it had been, let's say, a PhD in aerospace engineering, I will not go and do that. Like, first of all, because the interest is not there, and you know, like as in zero 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 or negative background <laughs> in aerospace. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would say that the research area and um, civil and environmental engineering has a major environmental aspect. So that gave me some little leverage to dive in. Let's say again, I want to still ask questions based on the challenges you face in that regard. Okay, as in mm-hmm. um, pursuing your PhD in environmental and civil engineering, because I I read you were close to quitting in May 2019. Mm-hmm. What, what were the activities that led to that? <laughs> you okay. Quitting, when you were mm-hmm. almost close to, like when you were almost finishing with everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say that the PhD journey, Mm -hmm. especially in the U.S., is a very long one. Mm -hmm. Long, um, winding, and highly uncertain. And, you know, the funny thing is, a year before 2019, right, that was um, 2018 May, I had a friend who wanted to quit a day before his um, uh, comprehensive exam. So for the PhD, you start off, you you know, depending on the department, sometimes you do a preliminary or pre-qualifying exam. And then let's say if you're well into your research and all of that, maybe a year before graduation or a year and a half before your graduation, you do what we call the comprehensive exam. And so the comprehensive exam, you do even an oral aspect of it and a written aspect of it. So this friend of mine, actually the guy who helped me get this 
um, PhD opportunity. He called me and he was saying, you know, just the day before his comprehensive exam, he was like, he really feels like this is the time to quit. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> how can you think like that? You've come this far. And all of that. You know how it's nice to dish out advice when you're knowing that situation? <laughs> so now fast forward a year later, that was May 2019 for me. I was super exhausted mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had, uh, how do I even put in a better context? Um, in 2018, right, by 2018, I had finished with, let's say, um, my main lab work, you know, my reactors, everything, I was done with it. Now, there was um, some microbiology aspects because the whole um, waste-to-energy technology that we used or investigated was driven by microbial communities. So the research aspects also you know, had to pay attention to the microbial changes um, in the various experiments that we set. And that microbial analysis part was really delaying. And I had worked so hard. I had, you know, spent so much time, you know, according to my own plans, I should have, you know, finished like, um, you know, early 2019 mm-hmm. and all of that. So like in May 2019, one aspect of that, you know, microbial research had really delayed and I just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. I was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I I really came close to quitting. And interestingly, around that time too, yeah, interestingly, around that time, I had been accepted to speak at the biggest conference in my field, mm-hmm. which was like a dream come true, mm-hmm. okay? So, um it was the conference was going to be in Chicago. It's called WebTech, and over twenty thousand people attend, industry and academia, and all of that. And I remember I was like, and I was supposed to write a paper for that conference. So I was just thinking about this aspect of the research that has delayed, and this conference paper that I have to write, and my main dissertation that I have to. I was like. This, this is just too much, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, WebTech is something I'm really interested in. I really, you know, dreamt or, you know, it was a dream to present at WebTech. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quit after I've written the WebTech paper. <laughs> and then <laughs> <laughs> yes, I told myself, okay, I really want to go to WebTech. I'm going to quit after, you know, writing the WebTech paper. And then I was like, wait, quitting is going to be very disappointing mm-hmm. for my mentees. And I, this is very important for me to point out. You know, sometimes when um, we are narrating our success stories, we pay more attention to our mentors, right? Mm-hmm. But what, it, what they did for me was, the number of people who look up to me and I didn't want to disappoint them. So I, I think our mentees play a major role in pushing us to achieve our own goals. Whereas we also give guidance and advice. They being there, that community of mentees being there, even you know, for those that are not in close contact, those that even you know look up to you from afar that have not even approached you before you know that whole community of mentees that you know are there wishing or waiting for you to succeed to inspire them you know for them to know that it's possible it it hits me that it'll be a big disappointment to that community and i i told myself that you know then maybe I'm going to pause. So I was like, okay, because I was very exhausted and I felt, you know, mentally I needed some, you know, clean up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I told myself, okay, I'm going to pause because I've been doing so many things at a time and, you know, working so hard that maybe it's time to pause a little. And I was like, how am I going to pause? I'm in the United States, um, 
I can't just take a semester off. Mm -hmm. If I take a semester off, it means maybe I'm going to Ghana for that period and come back or mm -hmm. what. Because when you're here, you have to be in status. You have to register for a certain number of hours mm -hmm. or classes, you know, to be in status. So I thought of that whole complicated paperwork aspect. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. yeah, that whole complicated paperwork aspect. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to do Pulse my own way. And how I'm going to do it is that I won't do so many things at a time. I'm just going to focus, you know, intentionally focus on little chunks at a time. And all that I'm going to do is, you know, making sure that I'm being consistent at doing something, no matter how small. So, for example, the web tech paper that I was talking about, I told myself, okay, in a day, if I type one paragraph, it's good enough. Mm -hmm. If the next day I spend the time reviewing that paragraph I typed the previous day, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. The following day, if I only insert one figure, I'm good. Mm -hmm. If I adjust margins or do some formatting, I'm good. So I was just going to consistently work on it, but at a much slower pace, which will allow me not feel the pressure and, you know, the, the whole stress and, you know, feel like I'm going crazy. So that was what I did. And before I knew it, I had, you know, finished the web tech paper. I had, you know, um, continuously done something on what was delaying and, yeah, consistently doing something small at a time when I felt I was being overwhelmed helped me a lot. Impressive. Are you cool? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when you took to social media after your graduation to share lessons from your journey to inspire young women who also mm -hmm. dream of pursuing STEM courses, you put out that, um, and I quote, dear ladies, don't ignore a good career opportunity in hopes of establishing a family soon when you don't even have a significant other. I'll throw more light on that later. So could mm -hmm. you throw more light on that now for us, please? Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. And um, I think this is also something really important that um we need to talk about or have a conversation around as women okay. um and as women i'm even looking at it um for now let's say we've been raised right we've been trained and certain women still think a certain way yeah. and I'll, I'll come to that mm -hmm. but what i'm trying to say we we really need to look at our society and have a whole conversation about how we raise women and you know how we teach them to aspire to things. Um, if you're a woman, like I said, even you know, by giving the example with my mom mm -hmm. um, initially, you are expected to you know settle down at some point. And then you know, we women also desire that. Now um, because of that, you are, how do I put it, some women, uh, I would say, give so much attention to that future settling mm -hmm. or that future marriage that, you know, they are not even close to having. Mm -hmm. Such that, let's say, this opportunity, like, if, and if you read my post, you realize that when I was contemplating on coming or not coming, one of the main things was because let's say, I had a job that I really liked. I didn't want to resign at the point. And I was thinking that, okay, I have some opportunities at my disposal. Okay, what, why don't I talk to some of my friends, you know, to see if they'll be interested in this opportunity anyway. And I talked to some of my friends and, you know, almost everybody or almost all the ladies wanted to settle mm -hmm. down after some time. And interestingly, of them didn't have boyfriends. <laughs> some of them didn't have. Jesus it. Some of them didn't have boyfriends. Now you are hoping to settle. You don't even have a boyfriend. Chances that that five years will come and pass, and you will not be married. It's so very high. <laughs> and 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 there there is also a good chance that it's even through this opportunity, traveling 
when do your phd that you really need a significant other you get it mm-hmm. so ladies i think a good number of women tend to really prioritize future marriage i mean even if you are married now that's a whole different discussion you get it but when you're not married you're so young you still have a whole life ahead of you mm-hmm. and you kind of restrict yourself or your movement because you want to settle down in future mm-hmm. it's not bad to you know desire to settle down in future but you can't tell me that this is the one place that you find somebody to settle down mm-hmm. do you get it yeah. if you are getting a job to move from accra to kumasi it could be that it's in the bus from Accra to Kumasi that you meet somebody or it's in Kumasi that you meet somebody. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I mean, of course, desire to have a family unless you don't want to, which nobody should arrest you if you don't want to. But even if you desire to, you know, have a family, note that um, you should pursue your dreams regardless. Okay. Like pursue your dreams or pursue things regardless, explore regardless. Do you get it? It's even in the process of doing these things that you might meet the person that you've been praying for. So I, I, it's just something that you know, I'm quite passionate about. You know, I've I've heard women who have let go of some job opportunities. You know, in other regions because maybe their boyfriend is in Accra and they don't want to leave. Meanwhile, this boyfriend, you yourself, you even see that the person is not really serious about you. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you don't, they don't even have a boyfriend, but because, you know, they are eyeing one guy to come <laughs> forward or because they are hoping, they are hoping to by all means find somebody in Accra. So they don't want to take that good job in Takade or they don't want to take that good job in Kumar. And I think, you know, you do a disservice to yourself when you put yourself in that situation. And I hope that, you know, women recognize this and, you know, let go of any boundaries they've set for themselves. And it's also important that, you know, on the lines of relationships, I think it's also important that if you are um, an ambitious woman, you know, like deep down, you know, you have a drive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're an ambitious woman, so you should be very careful and very intentional about the kind of guy you be with mm-hmm. or about your you know, choice of guy. If you're, in, if you're ambitious, you should definitely know that you only have two options. It's either you are remaining single or you're going in for somebody who is very supportive. And let me digress a little bit and share some... Um, practical instances of you know why this is important mm-hmm. now i and i think my next my next um post about you know <laughs> the part two mm-hmm. of the you know journey is mainly going to touch on some of these things mm-hmm. um i had this opportunity when i was in a serious relationship i think that when you're an ambitious woman or you know you have a drive you know there, there's just as we say, something inside so strong, you know, you have this drive. You should be very intentional about whom you um, date or marry. So I was in a serious relationship when I got this opportunity. And I was very happy that before I got the opportunity or before I agreed to, you know, be in a relationship with my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, I asked him that I hope you are aware that you know, I will not or I do not fall into the broad category of women. That's, and that's my aspirations are different. My ambitions are different. Mm-hmm. And it was important to have that conversation. And he said, oh, yeah, you don't need to tell me all over you. I was like, okay. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we, we, we are operating on the same level. Yeah. Now, Later, when I got this opportunity, then it was no news to him that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll decide to go and do this. And he was very supportive. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, he was very supportive and supportive to the extent that in um, summer 2018, he came to visit me 
And around that time, for some reason, I was having this pain in my right hand. Mm-hmm. He will go with me to the lab and, you know, like hold or shake the things that I would have, you know, held with my hand and all, like do things that I would just say, oh, yeah, so this is how I do it. Can you do, do it? Like just oh. do all that lab work for me. That's the kind of person you need to be with. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, it could be disaster trying to keep a family and, you know, pursuing your ambition as a woman. So um, our relationships are a critical aspect of our lives and we need to be very intentional about it. When I came here, one of my roommates, um, a Nigerian, mm-hmm. was going out with a guy that he had, she had met. She was doing a PhD in electrical engineering. And this guy, who even had a master's, okay, this guy kept telling her that, eh, why is she doing PhD in electrical engineering? She's even a woman. She's not even supposed to be doing engineering. But mm-hmm. even if she do, she should have been you know, to as master's. Why mm-hmm. she wants to do PhD in mm-hmm. engineering? And listen to this. Eh, his friends are even complaining that he has gone in for over sabi woman, mm-hmm. over educated woman. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is real. This is no like this is real. That his friends are complaining and laughing at him that he had gone in for an over sabi woman, an over educated woman. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, really? so, this and you know, he trying to convince my roommate to drop to master. This is insane. This is not a kind of person, you know, that you can live with mm-hmm. at any point of your life because mm-hmm. he's going to try and step for every progress you try to make. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all on that tangent that I would want ambitious women or women who want to, let's say, pursue a PhD at some point or, you know, do anything extraordinary at some point to pay attention to that aspect of their lives and be more intentional. Very important to be more intentional. You can't just date anybody. It has to be either a supportive person or none at all. (laughs) (laughs) How how do we help girls um, to have more confidence in STEM? Because there are ladies, most ladies are scared to venture into STEM related fields. Okay, because we see it to be difficult and all that and stressful yeah. and all that. Yeah. So what can we do as women who have ventured and have realized as really help? What can we do to help ladies who are upcoming also? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think the the main thing we can do is, you know, try to be available to mentor such women. Okay. I, I, I think that's the main thing we can do. So when such women or such girls need somebody to talk to, we are there for them. Mm-hmm. And um, and th- that's why, you know, I took this invitation quite personally. Mm-hmm. I, I I have that, you know, soft spot or, you know, important, I would say I consider it to be very important to share, mm-hmm. especially with girls or women who desire to pursue them. I yeah, we, we just have to be available, share our stories, let them know that yeah, it's not easy, but we persevere. You just have to persevere. That's it. Don't quit, just persevere. Gradually make consistent progress, you know, little by little, and you get there. It's doable. We've we've been able to do it, you can do it. So let's say there's there's someone out there listening to us who wants to toe the same line you told us in go for a direct PhD. How does a person go about it without master's? So right from undergrad to straight to mm-hmm. PhD, how does a person go about that? Okay. I think um, the most important thing is to recognize that there are some countries that will allow that and there are some countries that will not allow that. Mm-hmm. So identifying this, you know, the um, countries that allow that is very important. So United States is you know, a place that you can easily do that. And even within the United States, you can just look at schools that you're interested in. Some schools have, you know, that opportunity. Some schools don't. So narrowing in your search to schools that will 
admit first degree holders into their PhD program. Okay. And it's also important that if you are still in your undergrad, you try and get very good grades because to be admitted into a direct PhD program, you should either have a first class or a strong second upper. Okay. And so that's like, that is one major thing you need to work on if, you know, somebody's still in undergrad, try and finish your first class. It'll make it easier. And then um, once you've, let's say, identified the university that admits, you know, students based on um, first degree, reach out to professors in the department that you're interested in. So, for example, if you found, let's say, Georgia Tech and you are in aerospace, just go to their aerospace um, engineering department, look at the website, look at the professors there, and then look at, pay attention to their research areas because PhD is essentially research. So the research areas, if you find somebody doing something that interests you, email the person saying, hey, um, hello, Professor Des, um, I found you, blah, blah, blah. Let's say um, I'm interested in you know, joining your lab to pursue my PhD, your research um, work aligns with my interest, like something like that. And um, some of them may not respond, but some will. At the end of the day, you're waiting for just that, you know, one person or two people who will respond. Mm -hmm. So even if you do it and, you know, people don't respond, just continue to do it. One or two will, will respond. And before you know it, um, you're there. You, you have your funding and, yeah. So, my ladies, can you hear that? So keep pushing. <laughs> Let's keep pushing. <laughs> keep pushing. Yeah, keep pushing. Keep pushing. It, it works. It definitely works. Keep pushing. Yeah. Oh, Find the right tool. What do you mm -hmm. think is the best resource for ladies who want to dive deeper into STEM-related fields? Because let's say you don't want to just end at undergrad or you want to like, go deeper, just like the way you've moved ahead. Okay. So mm -hmm. what's, what's the best resource available to ladies? What can they, what is there to help ladies who want to move further in STEM fields? Yeah. Okay, so I think in terms of, um, let's say, resource, um, I'm not sure there is, you know, one big database out there okay. that, you know, contains all the information you need to help you um, pursue the STEM program that you want or to give you the guidelines. I'll still, um, I'll still bring it back to circle around mentoring and being mentored, identifying mentors in your field. So for example, if you're an environmental engineering person you want to do, you want to you know, progress in environmental engineering and attain PhD at some point, you know, working um, you and environment. So, you know, all these top places that um, work on our environmental issues or design things to solve environmental issues. Look out for people in that area. LinkedIn is a good place to start. You can go to LinkedIn and you know just it, it has a search button that you just put the um, engineering in even a specific company, and it will bring out all you know so many people working in that company with that title, and then you can just draft you know, a very small introductory message to them whilst you even send them the connection. A lot of people have reached out to me through that. A lot of people, not even just Ghanaians, from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, and I also did that at some point. So LinkedIn is a very good place to look out for mentors. And I think we sh you know, women should use that place or um, upcoming people should use LinkedIn. It's already set on a professional tone already it. so if you're reaching out to somebody the person already you know knows that it's going to be in line with his or her work so i think linkedin is a, a good place to start and then if you know anybody um personally who even knows um somebody in a certain role that you're interested in or anything you can ask the person to introduce you so we should be more aggressive in that sense and as much as possible for me, exam uh, for example, I've tried to tell myself I need to make time for mentorship. 
you know, for things like that, to respond to things like that. And I think that a lot of well-meaning people will also do that. And there are some people too who are genuinely um, burdened in terms of, you know, not having time to do that or to respond and, you know, to provide good feedback and all of that. Don't take it personal. Let's move on to the next person. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's be aggressive in that area, get mentors in, you know, areas that interest us, ask questions, you know, and just move, keep pushing. You keep get pushing. there. <laughs> <Just> keep pushing. <laughs> so, so, Dr. Ohimi let's let's hear your final words, okay? So lastly, mm-hmm. what's one piece of practical advice you give to someone starting out, most especially our ladies, because this program is, is mainly for them, okay? So mm-hmm. we starting out, she doesn't really know what the future has for her. She has a whole plan, just like mm-hmm. you had a plan, but doesn't really know how things are going to go, how things are going to end. What's your yeah. advice to someone like that out there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, you know, there's, there's this... Um, words that I think my class five teacher taught me and you know it stayed with me for a long time. I think the original um author of this quote will be Henry Wordsworth or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten. But it says um the heights that great men reached and kept were not attained by a sudden flight. Mm-hmm. But they whilst their companions slept they were toiling upwards in the night. Um, it's important that at the very beginning of you know, wanting to achieve anything, it's important to be aware that the people who have achieved it you know, worked continuously hard for it. They didn't just get there. So then maybe you, you know, somebody will read my profile and be like, oh, she has a PhD in engineering. Oh wow, she you know she got a direct PhD in engineering. That PhD uh, has been five and a half years of consistent hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you get that? that and that 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 piece that you can easily miss if you don't you know pay attention to it and just you know hang on. Oh, she got a PhD in engineering. Oh, that's so cool. I want to get some. It's been five and a half years of consistent work. So if you are starting out, note that the height that great men were kept or reached and kept was not sudden. You know, that flight was not sudden. It was continuous amounts of hard work. So be consistent in your hard work. Work hard consistently and, you know, keep your eye on the goal. Now, if you don't, you know, recognize some of these things that, you know, it's a process and it takes time. Every good thing takes time. You can easily, you know, get exhausted or give up when you've not seen results in two years or when you've not seen results in three years. But when you're aware that, you know, the people at where I want to get to spend time and hard work to get there, I think it'll be a good compass to you know keep you to persevere and you know to get it and um i'll also add this um one lady i think i met at a conference she shared with me she was like you know phd is not necessarily for the smartest but it's for the most persevering because you know you can be you can be an a student and not finish a phd and a b student can finish it. At the end of the day, you need some level of smartness, you know, you know, for the start. Let's say you all need at least a B to succeed in a program, but that perseverance bit is so important. And I think you can apply it even if you're not doing a PhD in whatever you're doing. If you are setting up a company, if you're, you know, setting up anything, realize that the people who have built the businesses that you are looking up to did not build it in a day did not build it in a month did not build it in a year it took them years um one of the books that i love reading is um americana by chimamanda it's a classic book 
And one of my friends told me it took her five years to write or produce that book. Five solid years. But I mean, I was reading that book and I was like, oh, she's such a good writer. She's such a good writer. She just didn't write it. It was five solid years. Do you get it? So I think when we recognize that it takes time and effort to achieve these things, then you know that, oh, you also get there as you continue to do it. And you, you never give up because you know that everybody tried, everybody had challenges, everybody took time to get there. Do you get it? And so, so long as you stay and so long as you persevere, you're going to get there. Just be consistent, make a little you know, strides at a time. Like as I shared with you, how I approach my website paper, just a paragraph is enough. You know, just reviewing that paragraph is enough. Just maybe reading the page is enough. You know, that kind of consistent work over time becomes really huge. And you'll be happy you didn't quit. You'll be happy you persevered. Yeah, that's that's all I'll thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Julia, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome for joining me today with the show. Um, you're welcome. I'm actually here a lot and I've been inspired. I've really you. been inspired by your story. And God Thank bless you. you once again for God having the soft support to share your story to inspire some of us also. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. And I'll just say keep doing the awesome work you're doing too. This is great. It's a great platform you are building. And mm -hmm. I think that it's, you know, to go a very long way to help your listeners. And um, one day somebody will say, oh, I listened to somebody on Eliza's, you know, show and it helped me a lot. So don't give up and continue doing this excellent job you're doing. Yeah. Medassi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh no, it's so hard to so sad. Like it's so hard to say goodbye, my listeners. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this episode has given you a reason to believe in yourself and never to give up. You can find me on www.lesrightgh.com. Find or the other links to my previous podcast episode as well. Then do well to leave your comments and suggestions after listening to this podcast. So I'll see you next week. And until then, do have a lovely week. Bye. Bye.